say if you have your Bible turn to such and such verse and I will say that in just a moment uh, as is customary but before we do that I want to ask you to take up songbook if you're willing to uh, and if you uh, if not uh, please just consider what I have to share with you and I want you to read a few words from a few stanzas of a couple songs as we think about the touch of the Master. That's what I want to share with you this evening. I had many thoughts in mind for our sermon this evening, and I kind of went back and forth. I shared with Daniel, and he's going to quickly realize that I've changed the topic on him for what we have talked about this afternoon after the service. But I promised Daniel I will come back to that one, Lord's will, before too long. But I want to share with you a, a thought that came to my mind that the, the good Lord has blessed us with from His Word. Thinking about touch and how important touch is to us. And I've entitled this lesson, The Touch of the Master's Hand. The Gospel of Matthew is where we're going to spend the majority of our time this evening, Lord's will. We're going to look at several scriptural references from the Gospel of Matthew and maybe one in the Gospel of Luke as well that talk about Jesus touching individuals and various circumstances of what His touch did in the lives of those individuals. And then we will try to make application to our lives as well, thinking about the touch of the Master's hand. But to set the stage just a little bit. Would you look at hymn number 464 with me, please? We're thinking about touch. We know that touch is essential to our lives. It means so much to us. It's welcoming. It's encouraging. Let's look at the second stanza, the first few words of the hymn, Because He Lives, under the section of Christian Assurance, in the songbook. But that second stanza, that second line says this, How sweet to hold, well there's touch, How sweet to hold a newborn baby. Feel the pride and joy that that child gives. There's touch. There's feeling. And that's something that all of us can relate to. I've had the pleasure in just the last three years, twice, and three some years of experiencing exactly what that stanza talks about. And it's still forefront in my mind. I can remember October 21st at about 7.20 in the evening, very vividly, very easily, when I first had the privilege of holding my firstborn child. And that touch and that pride, and I believe I cried more than he did. I did better with the second one. I was just as happy. But that first one, I know I outcried him. I tried so hard to choke it back, but wasn't able to. So we sing about this. There's feeling, 
bears touch, and it has an impact on all of us. Now, a few pages to the left. This is probably my favorite hymn in the entire hymn book, and that's tough because I like so many. But if you'll turn to hymn number 396, you will find a hymn entitled, No, Not One. Sometimes there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. And I want to call your attention to the first stanza, but the second part of that first stanza in which we sing oftentimes, none else could heal all of our soul's diseases. And then the conclusion of that song is, no, not one. Only Jesus. So we think about feeling. We think about the Master's hand. We think about touch. And these hymns paint a pretty clear picture for us. We sing about it. It's important to us. And touch is essential. And Jesus is able to comfort. And oftentimes He was able to heal. And He did that to proclaim His power during His earthly ministry. That He indeed was sent from the Father in heaven. And He indeed did have the right to teach with the authority that He had. So if you'll put down your songbook, please, and I thank you so much for turning to those hymns and looking at those verses of those hymns with me, please. Open up your Bible, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8. And let's start our reading in verse 3. We're thinking about touch. We're thinking about feeling. And we're thinking about the essentiality of these things. So we read about the cleansing touch of Jesus Christ. And for reference, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 3. All of these will be familiar to you. And Jesus put forth His hand. And what did He do? Why well, He touched Him, saying, I will. He was willing. Be thou clean. Now notice... And immediately, may I emphasize that to you in Matthew 8 and verse 3 and following. And immediately His leprosy was cleansed. Jesus had the ability to cleanse even the worst of physical disease that was present during His time. And it wasn't something that happened gradually. It wasn't like the fables that we hear today where individuals say, I think I hear just a, a little bit better than I did when I first came into the tent. We've heard that. No. It was full cleansing and it was immediate. So I echo what I'm often told. Jesus simply does not have to do anything. That is true. We have a responsibility to Jesus. But with His touch, He was able to cleanse. He was able to heal according to God's will. He did it to show His majesty, to show that He was sent from the Father. He was a servant of others. And when He touched someone with the Master's hand, the results were not gradual. They were immediate because He did have that ability. 
He had a quiet touch as well. May I call your attention to the same chapter, Matthew chapter 8. And would you go please 12 verses forward from verse 3 to verse 15. Now I hope that math's right. I know a few months ago I got myself in trouble with some difficult math. But I believe 12 and 3 is 15, so I feel pretty good about this. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8 and verse 15, Jesus had the ability to quiet with a simple touch. And I read for you please. And He touched her hand, and what happened? And her fever went away. It left her. And what did she do? She arose and she became of service. She ministered unto them. That's a lesson that we can glean from. When God blesses us, when He helps us in our lives, let's show our appreciation by being all the more faithful the days that we're blessed to have. Praying without ceasing, studying His Word, being faithful to the worship services to the best of our abilities, striving to be an example to others. He touched her just like that. Healed. The situation quieted. Fever was gone. She arose and she served. He has a cleansing touch in the Master's hand. And He has a quieting touch as well. Thirdly, let's take a few moments and let's think about the light or illuminating touch of Jesus as well. One chapter further. Gospel of Matthew chapter 9 and verse 29. The illuminating touch being able to see more clearly once you come into contact with the Lord. I'm going to read two scriptures here back to back. Matthew chapter 9, verses 29 and 30. Then touched he their eyes, and he said, According to your faith, be it unto you. Do you believe? How many times did Jesus make that statement? According to your faith, it will be done unto you. You know, Danielle and I, we were discussing last night the Scripture that talks about the faith the size of a mustard seed, which is very minuscule, being able to move mountains. Now, we realize that I'm never going to be able to place my shoulder on one of those mountains in Cumberland Gap, man, and press it out of the way. But we do realize what the Scripture is teaching. That with a small faith, we can accomplish so much with the help of God. We can accomplish tasks that seem insurmountable. And if we're willing to give credit to God, He will see us through in these endeavors. So He touched their eyes, and it was according to their belief, their faith be unto you. And in verse 30, their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them and said, See that no man know it. What's the lesson? Well, there's several. But thinking about the touch of the Master's hand, you see things differently. 
You see things clearly when you allow the Master's hand to lead in your life. He's able to cleanse. He's able to quiet the situation. He's able to touch and allow us to see more clearly within our lives. And oh yes, He can reassure with His touch as well. We have confidence within the Scriptures. We are convinced. I think of the Apostle Paul who talked about being persuaded of the hope and the steadfast nature of belief in God. He was convinced and persuaded. And there's no doubt, it really doesn't matter what is placed in our way, whether it be illness or uncertainty of life or financial turmoil or just difficulties in general. We always find our way back to what we are persuaded of and what we are convinced of. And it's so nice to be reassured day in and day out. And God's Word can do that for us. So I call your attention to the reassuring touch of the Master's hand. And for reference, Matthew chapter 17 and verse 7. A simple teaching that is easy to grasp. And Jesus came... And He touched them. And He said, Arise and be not afraid. Brothers and sisters, and I believe all of us are this evening, when you lay your head down on the pillow at night tonight, you do not have to worry about what tomorrow brings if you've lived a faithful life unto God through Christ. You can be reassured that if we shut our eyes in death this very evening, or if our life is demanded of us in any way, everything is going to be just fine. Now, we don't want to give up our loved ones any sooner than we have to. I understand that. And we enjoy being together, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have the calm hope and the steadfast reassurance that our home is in heaven when this life is over. And we do have confidence. There's no arrogance in that statement. We just simply believe John 14. And we simply believe 1 Corinthians 2 that I have not seen and ear has not heard that refers to the gospel, but it is the gospel that's going to lead us to heaven when this life is over. So no matter what the circumstance may be, please remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 17. And verse 7, be not afraid. You never, ever walk alone. May I call your attention, please, to the Gospel of Mark. We've studied quite a bit in Matthew. May I ask you to turn, please, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7 and verse 33. Jesus, the Master, through His hand, has a touch of freedom. His touch was able to liberate and it's still able to set us free even this very day. Gospel of Mark chapter 7 and starting our reading in verse 33. And He took Him aside from the multitude and He put His fingers into His ears and 
And he spit and he touched his tongue. And what was the conclusion? Well, go down to verse 35, please, of the same chapter. Mark 7 and verse 35. And notice the first two words. And straightway. We read about the immediacy originally. And we made comment that when Jesus healed, it was instantaneous. It was immediate. Well, now we see agreement once again. Isn't it amazing that no matter what the Bible topic may be, if we strive to rightly divide, the Bible will always agree with the Bible. There's never any contradiction. What does that tell us? Here's what it tells me. It was not written by me. That's what that tells me. It is inspired. It is a sacred writ. And when the Bible testifies of itself that every single word of both Testaments is God-breathed, that's exactly what it means. It is perfection. It did not come through man, but men wrote as the Spirit of God led them. Therefore, there's agreement through every passage. Verse 35 of Mark 7, And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loose, and he spoke plain. Jesus has the ability. He had it. He still has it. And he is in the healing business, both physically and spiritually. But what it all boils down to is we have to remember the words of our Lord. Not my will, but your will ultimately be done, Father. So yes, we make our wants and our desires and our thanksgivings known to God. He desires that. The Bible teaches He desires our communication as a part of the family of God, and that is a great blessing for all Christians, both men and women. But you must conclude, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. And if you trust in that, truly trust, the conclusion will always be correct in your sight and ultimately correct in the sight of the Almighty. And that's where it truly matters. I emphasize to you immediate and straightway in the earthly ministry of Christ. To the point where individuals had to conclude out of good reasoning skills that you have to come from God. For no man can do the things that you do. And even with that knowledge front and center, you still had individuals with biases that rejected the teachings of the Lord. Even religious, and I use that very loosely, individuals who knew better. Our biases, our preconceived notions can be that strong to where we miss what is right in front of our noses. So we strive to rightly divide. Please allow me to put a smile on your face this evening. Turn with me back 
to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10. And let's read verse 13 through verse 16. Matthew chapter 10, please. Please bear with me as I turn as well. I have these verses written down for quick reference, but I want to read this in the chapter with you. Matthew chapter 10. And when you arrive there, may we start our reading, please. In verse 13. And we'll go through verse 16. I'm sorry, go to Mark. I said Matthew looked at it wrong. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. Please forgive me. Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. I'm glad I turned, it just didn't look right to me. And they brought young children to him. There's just no way I was going to be able to teach about the touch of the Master's hand and not speak to you about children their innocence and how important that they are. And they brought young children to Him that He should touch them. But His followers, His disciples, rebuked those that brought them. Mark 10 and verse 13. Verse 14. But when Jesus saw it, notice, He wasn't only displeased, He was much displeased. And He said unto them, Suffer, you allow it. Suffer the children to come unto Me, and do not forbid them. Forbid them not. For of such is the church. For such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, that means to pay attention, whosoever, shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child. What's he saying? Is he talking about innocence? Is he talking about the trusting nature of a child? Is he talking about the humility of a child? There's no doubt. He's talking about all three. When we obey the Gospel and we desire to be baptized into Christ and be added to the church, His body, those are attributes we must display. Humility, innocence, and trust. Now you may say, I'm not innocent. And I certainly am not. But you're coming to the Savior. You want to have those sins washed away. And you want to rise to walk in a newness of life. That's your desire. You desire to be born again. Now down in Laurel County, they say born again. I think that's even better. When you're born. <laughs> that's past tense. The Bible says we're born again. Of both water and and of spirit. And 2 Corinthians teaches us that we are a N-E-W, new creation. So you don't worry about what you've done in the past. That's behind you. You're coming to Christ. You're bringing Him your broken life. If we had to get things right and then come to Him, we're never going to get there. For He's perfection. We're striving to be like Him. And we fall short, but again, we have a representative. 
We have a Father who understands we're asked to walk. And if you get knocked down, pick yourself back up start walking again to the best of your ability and ask God to assist you on your journey of life. Let's go back, please, to Mark chapter 10. Talked about innocence, trusting nature, and humility of a child, for such is the kingdom of God. You shall not enter in unless you humble yourself like a child. And He took them up in His arms. Verse 16, Mark 10. And He put His hands upon them and He blessed them. Boy, that puts a smile on your face, doesn't it? He embraced children. He embraced their trusting nature. And He recognized them and was greatly displeased when they were forbidden. That's the kind of Lord that you serve. He's not harsh. Yes, He's our Master. And yes, we are His servants. But He's the good Master. And you know what I'm going to say. His yoke is easy. The burden is light. And it is a joy to be of service unto the Almighty. And then He sweetens the deal more times than we can multiply by promising us that He's went away to prepare a place of rest and joy and peace and comfort that where He is, we may be also. That's the Lord that you serve. There's no more encouraging news available today. Lastly, would you turn with me please to the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. Jesus has a touch of restoration as well. We've talked about a touch of illumination, a reassuring touch, a touch unto children, trusting nature. Let's conclude our sermon this evening. Jesus' touch of restoration. Gospel Luke chapter 22. And let's start our reading in verse 47. And let's go down through verse 53. Luke 22. Starting in verse 47. While He yet spake, behold a multitude, many... And he that was called Judas, we're familiar with that title, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. Well, there's some feeling. There's a touch. Very discouraging. We realize the intention in what Judas was doing, don't we? We know intention makes a difference. Verse 48, Luke 22. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? 
can only imagine how I would feel if that statement was made to me because I know what's in my heart of heart and what I'm doing. And uh-oh, he knows too. I've shared this with you many times. It's just my opinion. So please take it with a grain of salt. I really believe Judas thought he could have his cake and eat it too. I really believe that. I really thought that he, he could get the money and that Jesus would overthrow these and establish His kingdom and He would have a place and it was a win-win. But if that's true, it was not the right thought process. When they which were about Him saw what would follow, they said unto Him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? We'll fight. We won't allow this to happen. They're not going to take you without some opposition from us. I probably would have felt the same way as a follower. And one of them smote the servant. I believe his name is Malchus. We see that elsewhere. He smote the servant of the high priest and he cut off his right ear. Why, just a little bit further, he'd have been in trouble, wouldn't he? What did Jesus do? Did Jesus say you got what was coming to you? No. We read elsewhere that Jesus said the one that lives by the sword will die the same way. And Jesus had taught in John 18, 36, I believe, that my kingdom is simply not of this world. If it were... My disciples, my servants would fight for me. They would physically fight. But that's not the church. That's not what He was about. And what He was going to give His life freely to establish. But boys, sometimes we're a little bit hard-headed, aren't we? Sometimes folks can tell us things and it goes in this one and out this one. And we miss it. So I try not to be too judgmental of those disciples because I've been a little hard-headed in my time as well. I know I will probably continue to be something I have to work on. Notice verse 51, And Jesus answered and said, Suffer you thus far. And what did He do? Why, instantaneously, straightway, and immediate, He just touched His ear and it was restored. Not one-fourth. Not it's a little bit better. It stopped bleeding some. I just want you to see how different the Bible is from what we hear sometimes in our society. He restored his ear by a simple touch and healed him. That means that it worked as well as it did before it was smite with the sword. Immediate and by the touch of the Master's hand. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and the captains of the temple and the elders which were come to Him, by you come out as against a thief with swords and things to pierce. 
In other words, why are you doing this? Why are you treating me this way? What have I done? What was Jesus guilty of? Healing? Helping? Teaching? The example of consistency? Going about doing good? And He did it openly? Well, there was nothing done in secret. As a matter of fact, He even, as we read earlier, said, don't tell anyone. The credit was always deflected and given to God. Jesus, as good as He is, said, and it's been so difficult for me to wrap my mind around, why do you call me good? Well, there's only one. My Father whom is in heaven. Trusting nature, innocence, humility, that's Jesus Christ. You treat me like a thief. He didn't deserve it. You've came out with swords like I have a history of being violent. Well, they overturned the tables when they needed to be. There's a time for wrath. We don't let the sun go down our anger. Jesus taught and always did everything perfectly. When I was daily with you in the temple, He reminds them, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. Even with all the good that Jesus did, there's always an adversary. You always have someone working against you even if you go about and set out to do what is right. Makes us different than the world. The touch of the Master's hand. It can provide sight. He does it through His Word. It's powerful. It's reassuring. It's calming. It restores restorative nature. And if we're living as a Christian and we're striving to put His will first in our lives and seek that kingdom first, His hands are all over what we do. He guides us through our decision to follow His will outlined and authorized in His precious Word, which, guess what? Was delivered by His hand as well through the inspiration of God. Please be encouraged this day that the Master is still able and willing to touch our lives. Still guiding still in control, and still in the restorative business. He can take a soul that is lost and undone, as I like to say, and He can reconcile it completely without fault in the sight of the Father if we are willing to allow Him. So we believe in Jesus, turn away from our sins by repenting, we confess our faith publicly in Jesus Christ. And we
we are gladly buried with Him in the watery grave. To have our sins washed away. To come into Christ. And to be added by God Himself to the Lord's church. If you have a need to respond this evening, won't you do so? Whatever the need may be, please allow us to assist you. If you have a need, won't you come? As we stand together and blend our voices for your encouragement.